0: Hello and welcome to the Farmer and podcast. I am Tommy Mead from County Mead. And I'm not going to talk about the rugby this week because I feckin' jinxed it last week. So I'm not going to mention that. I am going to mention the interview with Tommy Tiernan and Brian O'Driscoll because I thought that was amazing. That was true. Empathy at its finest. Even how much you can link that towards business and that as well. And the other... Now, this week we had... I actually organised a karaoke session for our class. But bar that, Jeannie, I was chatting to the Vice President of Europe, the Middle East, Africa, for Facebook. The Vice President, right? I, I was wondering, what the hell am I going to say to this person? But her name was Nicola Madison. And my word, that's someone you need to look up. Unbelievable. The work, the drive, the passion. And even working with charities in heaven. Oh, absolutely wonderful person. We were also chatting to... Person that works with uh, preventing food waste in Ireland O'Deal. We're also chatting to Killian Stokes of My Coffee. Right, this this was he wants to revolutionise the entire coffee game. Real interesting chat. Um, I was chatting to a person. I'm possibly going to get their name wrong now. Hitish Sait. Right, he was a founder of a web consultancy agency and found that white apps fail. That was interesting as well. I, I brought as well, she only the amount of stuff that happened this week. It's unbelievable. We were also chatting, well, we were chatting about rather than chatting to um, Barbara Corkenoff, Shark Tank, right? Why I brought her to the discussion was in this class for entrepreneurship, in, especially in the food industry, I link everything to the food industry in a way, but it doesn't necessarily matter that way. Because um, she was actually in real estate. That was her game. But how she grew up and how she... That give her her drive and her ambition and her empathy and her... Just do it like. You know, that sort of attitude. Um, One other thing I want to mention before I get started here is... Would you believe there's people listening to me? I can't get over it. You, you, like, I never went and I never publicised it. I never told anyone... My mother and father don't even know I'm talking. I, I'm even talking about them on this. Um, if you come across a Jenny Mac fair play, is I don't know how you use the dash. Um, and if you listen to it, even better, because uh, well, I don't know if it's better or not, Jenny. You, you must have a bit of time in your hands, but fair play. Uh, as you know, we don't get in depth. It, and now a lot of stuff happened this week in terms of who we were meeting, who we were talking, what we were talking about, everything, policy, strategy, the whole lot. We don't bring that to the table. We leave that back there. I had people on to me saying, Jenny, you know how much they enjoyed it. Um, And the possibility of getting a co-host, co-anchor. We'll be like anchorman soon. Let's get into it. Anyhow, this week, uh, it all started listening to Tommy Tiernan and Brian O'Driscoll. And what an interview. If, If you didn't listen to it, listen back. It was amazing. Whether you like Brian O'Driscoll or not, I like Brian O'Driscoll, I was Brian O'Driscoll's neighbour for um, actually nine months and Jay we had a great chat, we were on Off The Ball and everything together and um, you can even listen back to that if you want to, you can look that up, but it was a wonderful chat, it was amazing, Tommy Tiernan, when you think of Tommy Tiernan right, you think the man is like a bull, a demon on the stage right, and how he can empathise, how he can just listen, just take his time. Would you believe there was eight seconds of empty space? Just nobody said anything at one stage in the interview. And it was amazing. You know, it was no one trying to fill up space. And I suppose that's one thing you can do more so when you're in person, you know. You know, to say how we, we communicate mostly out of what you see you know your facial reactions rather than what we actually say but it was amazing even for TV and everything what happened was Brian or Tommy and asked Brian obviously to talk about rugby and all that sort of stuff and everything and then Tommy asked is there any I, I can't remember was it regrets or anything that went wrong or anything like that and Brian talked about it and he talked about his friend who committed suicide and was very sad and that. but Jenny, it went like that that interview, that made the interview in a way. It sounds sad, right? But it made because it you were learning so much about the person. Because at the end of the day, these were the leaders in their field, right? Tommy Tiernan in terms of comedy. Brian O'Driscoll was the best player in the world in terms of rugby. But how you can strip it back and at the, at the ground, we're all the same, we're all of that empathy. And it was wonderful. And in that entrepreneur class, right, we are every week. We bring something to the table, and this week was my time to bring something to the table. And I actually wanted to bring that. I was also thinking what I bring a Big Tom's funeral to show some of the international students. You know how we celebrate, how we do funerals in Ireland. Janie, it was amazing. But unfortunately, we can't do it at the moment. That's very sad for a lot of people because because it's it's a. Uh, it, it's a sad time, but it's also a time we can celebrate and talk. And that, you know, but that, that was the other thing I was thinking of bringing. But what I ended up bringing was Barbara Corcoran. And she's off Shark Tank, of America, sort of like Dragon's Den here in Ireland, except a lot more money. And Barbara had a tough life growing up, right? She had dyslexia, the education wasn't great for her, uh, she got bullied and all this sort of stuff. And she said, How that upbringing developed her, you know, made her... Okay, I I was about to say ruthless, but that's the wrong word. But has that ability to know, Janie, there's something up here, you know, and, and, and has that ability to drive and take the punches, right? But also has the ability, because this is what she framed it as, she always had to think differently. She always had to talk differently, communicate differently. Her biggest fear was being asked to read out loud, right? And people always looked down on her. So therefore, she developed an ability to realise that in people. And she was on about how could she walk into a boardroom and she could see a uh, a room full of salespeople and she could go up to someone and ask, how are you getting on? What's the story? Get into it. See what's wrong. And and she could feel it. And, And even, right, she was on about when doing that shark tank or dragons Den, as we know it. She knows when somebody's a lion. Does she know it or not? I don't know. But she trusts her intuition. She trusts that she has the ability. And, and perhaps a lot of it is that belief. And it's your upbringing and your background and that. But that's something we can all adapt. And and I suppose that's why I wanted to bring it to the the small clip. To that entrepreneurial class. Because in Smurfiture, Janie Mackie the amount of, uh, well-to-do. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with being well-to-do, right? And sometimes well-to-do people, you know, money mightn't make the person, you know? You know, they're happy. (laughs) Getting very in-depth now. But either way, I thought this was something interesting to bring to the table, you know? Something of character and empathy and that. And it was interesting then, right? When we, we had that Facebook, Nicola Me- Mendelssohn, Mendelssohn, come in and I seen the email and I said, Jenny Mac, what am I going to listen to this Facebook person for? I don't have a clue what they're going to be talking about. And now this is where, the sh- so Nicola is the woman that brought sex and ice cream together. Right. Okay. So let that stew. <laughs> well, no, 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 no. Hold on now. I'll explain it, right? So one of our first jobs, right, was about she worked for Häagen-Dazs, an ice cream company. I think they're German or something, sounds German, right? And they were the one of the first companies that wanted to bring premium ice cream out. So this is back in nineteen nineties or so, ninety two or something like that, early nineteen ninety. And at the time ice cream was seen as something, you know, for children it was full of a gunk. Sugar, uh artificial ingredients, full of everything, right? Everything you don't want. And Hagandaz were going out sourcing premium ingredients, putting them together, but they weren't selling. Because sure you could buy a fifty cent of this stuff for a kilo and they wanted to charge three euro, four euro, you know, seven times the price. So what what they had to try and figure out how do we get this to adults. So Nicola was they give out and there was a team, right? And they give out ice cream to their potential clients. The people that thought, you know, these are the people who are going to buy it. They also give it out to couples, right? And they came back and they said, you know, where would you eat it? Did you eat it at the park? Did you bring it for a picnic? Well, I don't know if you could bring ice cream for a picnic. But anyway, did you have it for a dessert or whatever? But she could sense there was something else. She could sense, you know, maybe those people looking. Maybe there's people giggling or whatever. And she could feel it. Now, don't get me wrong. Nicola, when she was talking... She was full of energy. She was, oh, you you'd be in the oh listening to her like she was brilliant, but she must also have that empathy. She was able to realize there's more to this, and was like, oh, "What's that? What? Why? Why are you looking like that?" And um, they said, "Sure, we we eat it in the bedroom, you know." And <laughs> this was revolutionary, revolutionary for them, right? And um. Uh, they were one of the first people to do this, right? And then they moved on, actually. You know what? That discussion was hosted by a lecture, And it moved on to about their book. And Nicola wrote a book about building better brands. And um, then working for Facebook. And imagine being the VP of Facebook in Europe, uh, the Middle East and Africa, right? Okay, that's where the conversation went. And then there was people asking all sorts of academic questions. But I was, I was still in awe with this, right? Um, Damien asked me a question right uh, he said he said Tommy I presume you have a question right and I did I had a question I never I never made any end. but uh, I think I might get a weekly slot asking a question actually the way it is I'm chatting to that many people but I said I want to bring you back I want to bring you back to that ice cream and I said I looked at the advertisement and you you can look at the advertisement yourself Janie Mack back in 1992 Um, I'd, I'd say to be uproar then and I'd say there could be even uproar now right but I said, "How do you go right? Okay, I understand you say this is your what your research is telling you, but how do you tell a company that want to be the premium? Do you want to be the creme de la creme? But how do you tell them, Janie Mac? I think this is a sex product in a way, without them having a heart attack." <laughs> and like it was, it was a great question. Janie, she she spent about five minutes. because it was brilliant because it was about they almost had to prove right that there was nothing else would work no well what they actually tried to do was prove something else would work and realised that didn't work that this was the only way it was going to work so that's that's how they proved it It, it, you know it it was amazing but, but all that all that knowledge all that stuff that all came from empathy and wisdom and, and and actually she later used that experience right for how to actually that's something I'm going to talk about in a minute Janie that this is a good one as well actually this is something I could leave you with so that was brilliant in terms of empathy and business and and we actually have a project to do this year which you know it's sort of like our thesis as such but it's working with a company and they're bringing out a new product and we actually signed different documents so we can't actually say a whole lot about it. But I'll tell you what they were sort of saying, right? They were saying about, we, what we have to do is market their new product. So we've, we have a certain budget and then they have their expected sales they want to achieve from that product. And we've tried to figure out what's the best way, what's the best way of marketing, similar to what Nicola done for Hagendass, right? That right? That, that's what sort of had me thinking, right? And the person that came in to talk to us, you know, he was on about all the different people that used to come in to him when he was in lectures. And he nearly got as much from that as he did from the lecture material itself. Which I thought, you know, isn't he dead? Right. You know, I, I thought that was wonderful, like, you know. And, and that's sort of what we're doing here now. Look, I could give you a load of material, but why the hell would you want that? You know, sure. As I say, read a book if you want material like that. Sure, we're just here to chat. And one of the things that I thought was great about just chatting and just to open your mind up to something mad was the Monsanto thing, right? So we, we were read a case study on Monsanto. It was back in '09 or something. And the CEO of Monsanto came out saying, so they started moving to GM foods, right? How How do we get the... How do we grow food that in places where it mightn't necessarily grow, let it be in uh, areas where there need irrigation and that sort of stuff? And he was on about like, so if you imagine an apple, right? Now stay with me, right? Okay, you have an apple in your hand, right? And that apple represents the globe, right? And you get your knife and you cut it in quarter, right? Now stay with me, stay with me. And you throw three quarters of the way because that's the sea and the ocean, right? And you're left with a quarter. That's the, that's the land, right? Then you get that quarter, and you cut it in half, so you're left with an eight, and you throw that other half away, because that's the mountains, that's the swamps, that's the deserts, that's the ice caps, that's all gone, right? So you're left with an eight. Now, here's where it gets hard now. Now, I don't know if you're actually doing this or not, but you get that eight, and you cut that in four, right? So now you're left with, and you get three quarters of that, and you throw it away, Because that's your rocky ground. That's your boggy ground. That's too wet. It's too steep. It's too cold. It's too hot. So you're left with one thirty second. One little sliver. And that's all you have. In order to feed people. In order to clothe people. In order to provide fuel. Not just for us at the moment. But for however many there's going to be. Ten billion people. Right? When you think of that like. Now... Don't quote me on it, right? Go look up the report and read it yourself and quote that man, right? His name's, uh, he was the CEO, uh, I can't remember his name at the moment. Hugh Grant, I think it was. Actually, not, not the actor now. I think it was CEO was Hugh Grant. I think that's how I remember it. But, yeah, you know, that was a great way of thinking. And, you know, that's what you get from listening to people. You know, something perspective. And actually listening to our own people and chatting. Because someone mentioned, you know, there's an awful lot of fertile ground in Africa and other countries. But because of war, governmental, just agro, you know, maybe they're not doing their optimum. Maybe they're not producing as what they could be. Now, will they ever? That's a question. You know, maybe, maybe they can't do that. But... You know, there, there, there's thinking in that. Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Like, maybe there's land we're not using that, you know, is good to be used. Now, either way, sure, we should be sustainable and all land should be used at its, you know, potential or whatever. But can we feed 10 billion people? And this was a question that actually linked back to another thing we were talking about. And the Odile from Stop Food Waste in Ireland uh, was chatting to us about was the amount of food we do waste. It's lethal. And I, and I sort of said, sure, if we could stop that food waste, we wouldn't have to worry about feeding everyone. Sure, Janie, it's a complete food waste. It's a supply issue. And, like, you have even the likes of New York. I remember when I was studying in America, and yeah, had these big cities. And, sure, they're like food deserts. There's no food. Like, how does the food get in? Bar it's frozen or transport. And, like, I, I can't understand or get me head around whether it's we end up using car parks as vertical farms and put food in the spot it's it's hard to get your head around well i i think it is you know there'll be a lot of questions into that in the future or whatever but O'Deal was on about even the amount of water we use right and this links to the monsanto right never mind what we know about monsanto now i don't know if they're even called monsanto now i think they could be overtaken right but they were on about the amount of water we use. That it was able, the amount of water we use on overproducing, so this is food that we lose, the food waste, would be enough water for New York City for 125 years. Now, put your yeah, head around that, at its current level. Like, that is not, is not mad. Like, the amount of food waste we have at the moment, but the water used for that, would supply New York's current levels for 125 years. And that's only in one year. Jane, that, like, like that sort of stuff is beggars' belief in a way. And and it also linked in a way, right, to my Coffee and Killian Stokes. And Killian well, is an entrepreneur. He studied economics, but he went and he worked in a business and he worked in an NGO and then he was working out in these coffee farms and realise so when you buy your coffee right, imagine you go into a store and you buy a kilo of coffee right and it might cost 15 euro, but if you were to buy that a kilo worth of coffee bean in a coffee shop it might cost, you, where like to make the coffee it might cost you 100 and something euro but a farmer producing the coffee only gets about 2 cent a kilo right mad right So what he is trying to do is trying to give the farmer more money. And even where the name came from, MyE Coffee, right? That is the name of one of the farms that he's working with. Because he said, sure, that's what the name should be. It's it's your coffee, right? And it's working. Now, MyE Coffee aren't massive yet. Because, you know, it's a slow, it's almost like an educational product as well. And I I recommend anyone to go online and look them up. I don't know how you spell it, M O Y E E or something like that, coffee. And it's an interesting story. And he was actually talking about, you know, how we were building this and, and then we were trying to, you know, see how it was performed and then we'd adapt it and we'd change things about, we'd make it work. And he was on about how he went into companies and he'd pitched a product to them because... He'd say to them, sure, you've cust- you've staffed a moment going out across the street, down the corner, up the road, or whatever, and buying coffee and coming back, and you're losing about 10 minutes. It's like smoking breaks, except they're not clocking off. And how much can you save from that? That's how we try to sell it to them. But now that the story, because it's not just a product. You know, he, he doesn't have a load of varieties, right? It's not about that. The product is the story. The product is where the money goes. He wants to revolutionise the coffee industry by business. It's like, um, oh, I can't think of the name now, but they were in chatting to us uh, last year, Chocolonies, um, I think they're from Holland or something. And their idea was they want to take slavery out of the chocolate industry. And how they're going to do it is by setting the standard by business, not NGO, because he, he felt, you know, that can be somewhat inefficient. You know, it might sound great, but does it really work? It takes a lot of work, while if you can start the business, set the standard, make people demand that, well then that causes real change, and if you can be the leader at that, then you are a step ahead, but he was, he was really on that, but he, he was saying these words, you know, build, measure, learn, and then he was like, and then we got to a position where we needed to accelerate, and I was like, Janie, Mac, do you remember what I was chatting about a week ago? Sure, it was the exact same, so... I went to him, did you ever hear of the book, The Lean Startup? And he was like, that's the one, that's the one. That's that's the model they used, in a way, to start that company. Find out what was working, what wasn't working. Change it, adapt it. Move on, try it again. Change, adapt, build, measure, learn, build, measure, learn. And then get on that motorway, like you're on the car, and then you've realised, Janie Mac, now we have to accelerate. Only issue was... They hit their acceleration about this time last year where they got in with a big company. All of a sudden, COVID hits, and it fairly knocks them. So, now, look, now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that build, measure, learning is the right concept for everything, right? And, and, and I think it's good to go contrary to the academic, and that's why it's great talking to people. And he was saying, you know, at one stage, you know, we sort of left that book behind us. We had a good concept. We were trying to drive it on. You know, that book. It, it, and I suppose that's what it is. It's for the startup, right? But still used within companies. But what he realised then was, Jenny, we need to move to e-commerce. We need to reach consumers because we were normally going B2B B and now we need to move B2C. And so they went back. They reverted back to it. And we going online. You know, how to they send out products? building, measuring, learning. It's the same process, in a way, just for that. So, now, before I leave you, right, and and I'm conscious, I don't want to talk for too long because I could just keep talking, right? We, I wanted to mention about uh, charity or whatever Nicola was working with, and I can't remember what it was, and that's why I I took a bit of time out. But I think it was uh, to do with blood or leukemia or something like that. And what she realised was People don't over give money to them Because it's a hidden disease Because it's in the blood You you can't see it Which in a way is a good thing Because you don't get discriminated or whatever But it means people don't realise And can't help or whatever So using her marketing Brain and I don't know what you call it Just knowledge or smarts She Got people together, creating an event, I think could have been in London. Got an artist in, painted the veins on people, right? Listen to this now, painted the veins on people. Got photos, put it all on the internet, became sort of a viral hit. Like like the sex and ice cream or whatever, became the viral thing. Got um, celebrities doing it as well. You know, got a bit of talk about it happening. You know, that was a wonderful Thing. and she's still involved with that charity but you know that was a great like everything has a way of marketing it itself that's why I started thinking to myself you know there's a smart way of doing everything just we need to think smart and and when you got it, work work hard Anyhow, I'm Tommy Mead this is the Farmer and Smurfit podcast I'm gonna go I'm gonna watch the rugby I'm gonna Pray we do better than last week, and um, all the best. I'll chat you and if you're listening, if you listen to this fair, fair play to you. Go, All the best.